All right, welcome into a special edition of the Go Local podcast, the Columbia, Missouri edition. I'm your host today, Andrew Zoldan. I have a plethora of guests on with me. First up, I sit down with my buddy, Corey Fox. We talk all things Mizzou game day, Mizzou tailgates. Then I interview Chris Flood, the owner of Campus Bar and Grill. You know it as Big 12. He gets into the untold story of the name change and so much more. And then I talk some Missouri football with Rivals writer Gabe DeArmond, who's covered Mizzou for almost 20 years. What an amazing show we have for you. Let's get things started. for joining me today on the Go Local Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Zolden. So I graduated from the University of Missouri last May. And last weekend, I actually got down there for the first time since graduation. And I made sure to hit all the stops. You know, I went out to B&B for some breakfast. I hit the new B&B, which is downtown must try even though it's pretty much the same i got a feeling that that line's going to be about all the way to the chipotle on game day because every single person from downtown is going to be going there what else did i have you ask i had to hit big 12 where our interview was got some of the wings some of the best wings i've ever had and then of course have to go to booches when you're in town personally i'm not a huge booches fan i don't think it's the best burger in the city I think that belongs to 1839 Tap House. This is not a paid endorsement for 1839, but if you have never tried their burgers, you got to get over there ASAP. So I hit all the stops for food. Like I said, B&B, Big 12, and then, of course, Booches. So I decided, where should I watch the game? I watched the disappointing loss at Willie's. It was nice to be there. Hadn't been there in a couple of months. The energy was high. People were excited to see what this Tigers team had to bring. And sadly, they did not bring enough. A disappointing loss to Wyoming. We get more into that with Gabe DeArmond. It resulted in the Wyoming fans storming the field, which I personally think was a little ridiculous. But hey, if you beat an SEC team, go ahead. Storm the field all the way out there in Wyoming. I was thinking about going to Wyoming, going to the game with a couple of friends, but there's no airport. The closest airport is Denver Airport, and then you need to drive. So would have been a difficult task. Probably would have been fun, but got to get Wyoming eventually. Definitely on my bucket list. Not. This is coming out on Thursday, just a couple of days before the Mizzou home opener. I will not be in town, but SEC Nation will be, which a couple years back was a very, very cool experience. Tim Tebow, Paul Feinbaum, among others, recommend checking it out early, early, early in the morning because of that 11 a.m. kickoff. I personally do like the 11 a.m. kickoffs. You know, get your day going. You got a full day of partying, a full day of fun. And my buddy Corey Fox, he likes these 11 a.m. kickoffs too. He actually just likes about everything there is to like about tailgates and game day so let's get to him me and him rank our uh, favorite things about game day we get to that right now on this special edition of go local 
This version is Go Local Columbia, Columbia, Missouri, that is. We're going to talk about three things that make game day in Columbia, Missouri so special. And I have joined the show one of my best friends, Corey Fox, who is known as Mr. Tailgate around campus. Coming up in just a couple days, three days from when this comes out, is Mizzou's home opener. Corey, welcome onto the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. So, as I said, we're going to be ranking three favorite game day things. You know, we're, we're leaving it open, kind of letting our imagination go crazy here. Corey, as the guest, what are your three favorite game day things for Columbia, Missouri? Well, my favorite thing, I'll tell you, me, unlike most, I have a thing for those 11 a.m. games. Those 11 a.m. game kickoffs are, to me, they're a little bit more special. There's nothing like waking up at about 4.45 a.m., walking up outside, sun's not up yet, you have that crisp fall air, you're breathing it in, it's real cool still, and there's no better way to start a game day than that. Wow. Second, my second thing, is the vibes. That might be a cliche term, but everybody is so happy. And the happiness is contagious on game days. Is it the happiest time of the year? Oh, it is the happiest time of the year. Those six or seven days in the fall in Columbia, Missouri, are the best days ever. I got a question for you. Yep. Is the first tailgate any happier or any less happier than the third or the fourth? Well, it depends. It all depends on so many different factors. Weather, kickoff time, who's coming on, going to be in town, who's not going to be in town. What's the team's record? That's Are right. Are winning games? And, and when it is. Um, so, yes and no. Um, and I'll tell you my third thing. I can't not mention this guy. I mean, if you live in Columbia or know Columbia, this guy is a legend. My friend Nate in MacDoodles, <laughs> he makes sure that your tailgate has everything that it needs. This is not a paid sponsorship or everything. This is just me thanking someone that has really done a solid for me and my tailgates throughout the years. That's a nice little shout out. Nate and I, or Nate has been a big impact on Corey and I's lives. He's helped us out big time. Check him out over at Macadoodles. So my three, you know, coming in at third, the celebration after a big win. You know, whether that means it was a night game and you're going straight out or it was a big win and you get the next couple hours to kind of collect yourself and get ready for a big night out. That feeling after a win is so unbelievable. And I think it's because of how bad the feeling after a loss is. The The difference between the feeling after a win and feeling after a loss is, is just insane. Like, I don't know if you remember this, but when we lost to Georgia at home a couple years ago, the vibe after that, as you mentioned, the vibes were just absolutely at an all-time low. When everyone was walking back through the streets, silent. That was terrible. Yes, and if you even want to go lower than that, Kentucky. Oh. That was a heartbreaker. Oh. Hopefully we do not have any moments like that this season. 
Uh, number two, this is for all you uh, bet big time gamblers out there, betting on the other games during the tailgate. So maybe Mizzou's a three o'clock game, two o'clock game, three thirty, whatever, six o'clock, and the tailgate starts earlier. You got the games from eleven until the Mizzou game that you bet on, and it just enhances your game day mood when you got money on the line on the other games. As soon as you wake up and get ready and everything, the first thing you do is turn on college game day. Exactly. I mean, I don't know what else could make it better besides watching college game day, putting your picks in. And then the best case scenario is you make money and you have it to celebrate after a win. That's right. And then number one is just the fact that it's a wet campus. So I think we underappreciate that. But I think we also don't really know what that means. I don't think anyone truly knows what that means, where you can and can't drink, what you can and can't do. But wet campus nonetheless, that's the top thing about game day. Right. We can drink on game days, and that's what we know. That's what we do. As the tailgate expert, what does being a wet campus on game day mean? Well, you got to think, most people coming into town are coming into town for game day. They're not here on a regular day. But... What it means is that you can openly have alcohol throughout campus. You can walk with it. That's the biggest difference. And you can it can be served at your tailgates that are on university property. All right. Well, there you have it from the tailgate expert himself. So those are some those are some good things for game day. I'm I'm trying to think if there's anything we missed. Uh, I like the noise. I like when it's really loud on game yep. day. You know, when you, when you can when you can just tell that the city is is packed and filled. Oh yeah, and especially those afternoon games, and it's, the city is roaring. We are roaring for a win. Yeah, I, I'm gonna cheat here a little bit. Okay. When you're out the night before and it and it's past twelve, that's technically game day. That's really fun. When the clock strikes midnight, there's you get this little feeling inside of it's you. It's game day. And, oh man, it's so special. That feeling is amazing. Uh, Corey, any, any final remarks? So when this comes out on Thursday, we will be two days away from the home opener. Well, I'll tell you, my alarm is already set for 4.45 a.m. on Saturday morning. I don't know if you can set alarms in advance, but let's do it. <laughs> I'm so, so, so excited, and I hope to see everybody there. All right, coming up next, interview with Campus Bar and Grill, Big 12 owner Chris Flood. The untold story of when and how the name switched from Big 12 to Campus Bar and Grill. All right, we now welcome on Campus Bar and Grill owner, Chris Flood, you may know it as Big 12. Chris, welcome on to the show. Thank you. We are happy to be talking with you today, and by we, I mean I and all the all the listeners. So, first question, this is coming out on Thursday. Thursday is a big day for deals. Maybe remind the people what the Thursday deals are. <laughs> uh, we have dollar well drinks and three dollar bombs. Dollar well drinks and three dollar bombs is a big... Big contributor to a lot of my college fun over the uh, over the four years. You know, my friend Corey and I, we say uh, Columbia is kind of like a fantasy land, almost like Disneyland. And we want, I want to thank you for being kind of one of the, uh, I guess, one of the rides at, uh, at Columbia Disneyland. So I think people are going to want to know this, kind of the untold true story of the name switch 
from Big 12 to Campus Bar and Grill? Because I don't think it's quite what people would expect. So I bought with some partners. I'd worked here for a while and bought it with some partners in 2003. And in 2004, the Big 12 conference approached us and threatened to sue us um, for, for copyright infringement or name infringement something so we went to kansas city and got talked to some lawyer who she had represented a bunch of national brands i remember popeye's chicken being one and somebody else and she she knew what she was talking about and she said uh this is going to cost you about three hundred thousand dollars and you've got about a ten percent chance of winning and we said screw that name never liked it anyway so then we just had to come up with something um you know something different and basically my thinking at the time was it doesn't matter what we would call it to college kids as far as college kids are concerned and it it obviously hasn't because it's still known as big 12 in college this was you know 15 years ago um so we wanted something that a businessman who's in town the week and and you know doesn't know Columbia and flipping through the phone book or, or looking would see something and say hey that sounds like a fun place I might be able to go mingle with some college kids and you know have some fun absolutely it really ha- it's been incredible that like when I got here I knew it as as Big 12 you mm-hmm. know you're told we're going to Big 12 going to Big 12 I think maybe it wasn't until like September or October of my freshman year that I actually realized that it was Campus Bar and Grill right it's kind of one of those things I Last week, I was touring the new um, end zone facility at MU. A friend of mine took me up there to, to look around it. And he's a, he's a beer distributor here. And, and we were walking through um, with our guide, and Kelly Bryant was walking down the hallway. And um, he introduced ourselves. Kelly's really nice. He's sitting there talking to us for a few minutes. And, and he asked, uh, and my buddy says, well, yeah, you know, Chris owns Campus Bar and Grill in the quarry. And Kelly kind of looks confused. And my friend goes, Big 12. He goes, oh, yeah, I've been there. I know that place. <laughs> and, I mean, that guy's been in town for six months. Right, exactly. You know, so that's, that's just the way it is. Why do you think it's been able to keep that I, name? I don't understand it at all. I mean, when you think about it, honestly, the 21-year-olds were six when we changed the name. Like, it's, it's yeah, beyond it's my crazy. understanding. It's kind of like people still call in Comiskey Park, where the White Sox play, Comiskey or – right where the Indians play, Jacobs Field, now Progressive, they still call it the Jake. So it's just, as long as there's still people on campus, like yourself, who knew it as Big 12, right. it'll continue to... When I started working here, it was Sudsuckers, so it's a little different for me. Nobody remembers that place, but um, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's been passed down for years and years and years. So I'm going to be honest with you, real quick. Big 12, Campus Bar and Grill, known for the wings, known for some of the appetizers, the boneless wings don't do it for me, got to be honest. But the bone-in wings are some of the best wings I've ever had in my whole life. So I don't think you ever need to have deals on them. I think people are just <laughs> going to want them no matter what. Well, and it's the – and I love the bone-in also. The boneless have really taken off in the last two years. We sell cases and cases of them a week. Um, and that's – I don't – you know, kids that grew up on chicken nuggets, I guess. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> I agree. I don't. 
It's interesting that there's still deals like 50 cent wings. Like my parents told me when they were when they were at Ohio State, they had 50 cent wing days, and that's that's still the deal. And obviously, there was the the dollar burgers, which went up to dollar fifty burgers, and the 75 cent triple wells. Obviously, inflation is the reason for that. But what's the conversation that makes you guys make that decision at that point uh, to increase even 15 cents? Well, what it was for us was the minimum wage increase in Missouri. Um, and that's not going to stop. I mean, it's going to be $15 an hour in four more years, I think. Um, so that's going to change a lot of things. You either need to, to stay competitive, you either need to cut the amount of servers or raise your prices to be able to, to you know, stay profitable. Um, so it's something we've, we're going to have to really try to figure out over the next couple of years is how things are going to handle but stuff like a lot of that kind of stuff is going to go away that mm -hmm. you remember as as the cost of living increases that much more absolutely so how many years have you actually been in columbia i came to school here in 1995 and you haven't left never left no so when you and your buddies are going out for beer going out for food where where's your go-to place because obviously you're not going to come here no mingle with that's, all the college kids no um you know, we go, we do, we do go to the quarry. That's one of the reasons I wanted to do something different. Um, it's more of a place for me and my friends can hang out. Um, we all live on the south side, so we do the deuce quite a bit mm -hmm. for happy hours or just on the way home. Um, but to be honest anymore, you know, like the game Saturday night, we had friends over. It's, it's, it's a lot of, we either do happy hours or we're at somebody's house that night. It's <laughs> with kids and everything like that. We need to keep them pinned up and running around. So, you mentioned you mentioned the quarry. So the quarry is kind of a Columbia hidden gem, as some people like to say. Uh, I've been there a couple times. First time I went there, we asked the waitress. We said, "What should we get?" And she said, "We have the best wings in town. The wrecked wings. You have to get them." I mean, how did you come up with the recipe for those wings? And why do you think? Do you like the kind of secretness? Of the quarry versus I, if people were running there every day? I do. That's and, and and we've tried to grow it really organically. You know, it's kind of, we like the idea of having a spot that's downstairs. It's kind of hidden. Um, even though it's on Broadway, you feel like you're away and in a little, little tiny little spot. Um, that was kind of part of the idea behind it. And we just wanted something that slowly would grow. Um, because it's not, it's a, you know, it's not a college bar. It's a totally different kind of spot. Um, and so you need to, we needed to approach it a little differently. Um, I actually have a partner down there. Um, and he, uh, he did a lot of the recipes and came up with a lot of stuff. So he did a great job with that. Yeah, the, the wings are very good. If you guys have not had them, you definitely got to get over there and check them out. But don't all go at once because we want to keep it uh, a secret and low key. The deals here bring people in the door. Game days bring people in the door. Is there anything that you guys do that you know you're doing it? You're like, this is going to bring a lot of people, even though it's not a traditional campus bar and grill thing to do. No. Um, and you miss on a lot of stuff that you think is going to be a great idea. Um, it just happens. You never know exactly what is going to resonate and what won't. And so... Um, you know, over the years, you just try different stuff and see what hits, and hopefully something grabs hold and and keeps people's interest. Um, that's the that's the tough and competitive part about the business is trying to to come up with new ideas that that'll hopefully help people come in and 
come in through the door. Do you have any one day or one experience in the 25 years you've been working here, uh, 15 years you've owned it, that you're like, okay, that's the busiest it's ever been here for sure? Um, and I don't remember which year it was, but I can remember it was when Yadier Molina hit the home run in New York against the Mets in the NLCS. Um, you know, our capacity is 400. I want to say we had 700 people in here that <laughs> night. And I was <clears throat> all the way at the back door standing on top of a chair just watching. Um, and you, we couldn't have fit one more person in here. Um, it was absolutely insane. And when he hit that home run, I just remember looking out into the dining room and full pitchers of beer were flying through the air. <laughs> we were pulling pitchers off the ductwork um, for the next week. Um, that was that was as packed as it's ever gotten. And I just remember we, were, we had some actually had some Anheuser Busch executives here, and uh, they said uh, when the Cardinals win this game, we want everybody in the bar to have a Bud Light in their hand. So I actually missed the last inning and a half because we were, my manager and I were in the cooler just popping the tops on I don't know how many cases of beer and the girls were just coming back and grabbing them and running <laughs> out and passing them out so everybody had a Bud Light when the, when the game ended. Thankfully the Cardinals held on yeah. or else that would have been a disaster. <laughs> so my kind of favorite, you know, I keep calling it Big 12, I can't help it. My favorite Big 12 memory this year, uh, NCAA March Madness Thursday, game one, or the, the first mm -hmm. day of games. I was at the door at 11 o'clock because so I lived at uh, Brookside Shakespeare's across the street. I came here probably three times a week this year. But I was at, I walk over from my apartment at 11 o'clock, sitting down for the first game at like 11.30. There's one other person in here, me and my friend, one other person at another table. Slowly throughout the day, more people coming, mm -hmm. more people coming. And I'm still there, I'm still in that corner booth. More people coming, more people coming. All of a sudden, it's, it's 9 o'clock, and I've been here for 10 hours, and more people are coming, more people are coming. People are starting to come for the, for the deals, the 75, the dollar triple wells. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's 11, and I've been here for 12 hours, and I still have my backpack because I was doing work all day, and I was like, all right, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm pulling an all-dayer at Big 12. So I, I think it's so versatile, your place, because you can come here and sit and watch the game, and you can come here and get fucked up on a Thursday night, which is really great. What, what do you prefer the consumer and customer to be doing? It doesn't matter as long as they're here. I don't, you know, obviously we want to be the best place to watch the game. That's all the TVs and, you know, um, and I think there's, you know, we've worked to make sure there's not a spot you can sit in here where you can't see at least three TVs. Um, so that's, that's kind of our driving force. But that, you know, uh, it, it, it doesn't matter to me as long as you're walking through the door. Come in, grab lunch, and go. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I just I just want to get people through the door. Have you noticed a correlation in team success to bar success for a certain season? Absol not necessarily absolutely. A single oh, day. absolutely, absolutely. Um, not only with the does the, the the road games, but home games get so much bigger. Um, especially football. You know, when your team is down, there's a lot of people who are driving in tailgating, watching the game, sobering up, driving home. Um, as the team does better, you know, the, <clears throat> excuse me, Chase Daniel, Jeremy Macklin, Kaufman, Rucker years, it was a lot of 
we're coming in Friday afternoon. We're we're getting a hotel room for Friday and Saturday night, um, and that that really helps. Um, the there's definitely with the basketball team, you know, the road games. Um, the better they are, the the more people are out. You know, I think everybody watches them, but with more success it becomes more of a event where you want to be around more people to enjoy it you know um and that's that's something that really helps us out the cardinal runs um the blues have, this year the blues this year were phenomenal um although that started so late yeah you know um i've been a blue season ticket holder so i i follow really closely and the run just started so late that i think a lot of the casual fans have had kind of fallen off by then and it yeah. took a little while um to get back into it uh, and success we i can remember the royals first run of the world series they lost to the giants when the it'd be it'd probably be about the alcs like royals fans just didn't grow up no like cardinals fans cardinals fans the first red series the first playoff series it's packed um they know what's going on. For the Royals fans, we noticed it took a little while longer for them to get excited. You'd had, we had our core of hardcore Royals fans, but what really helps for those runs is the two girls who just are from Kansas City but have never paid attention to the Royals because they've lost their entire life. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're winning, and they finally start to hear something, and you know they buy a couple jerseys and come up and sit and really don't know what they're watching but are <laughs> – know that they want to be somewhere to be a part of it because they're Kansas City and they think it's that it'll be fun. Yeah, um, those are the those are the people that really <laughs> help drive your numbers when, yeah. when teams win. Do you think uh, we'll see a dip in people here this Saturday because of the disappointing week one loss? I think most people's plans have already been set. Uh, I think playing a Big 12 team, even though we don't necessarily um, – think of West Virginia as that because they weren't there when we were there but playing another major conference team helps and playing a team that we don't get to see very often I think that helps um, and and hopefully people still have a little bit of excitement about the team mm. you know I mean turnovers happen in college football and that's you know yeah. I, I, I still believe that we're going to be all right so you mentioned you mentioned Kelly Bryan earlier do you do you like when players are in here um, and do you have any relationships with any former players? I do have. I do have relationships with. What, <clears throat> before I had kids, I worked a lot of nights. I don't anymore, um, so I don't see. I'm not here past nine o'clock usually, so I don't see what goes on as far as if we have players in here or not. Um, back, I'll call it my day, but when I was bartending a lot and, and working a lot. Um, I can remember I got to be really good friends with Martin Rucker. Um, and through Martin, he introduced me to um, the cha- both the Chases and, and J-Mac and um, Sean Witherspoon is still a really good friend. And, and I, I keep in touch with all those guys still. Um, anytime they're back in town, they come, they come up and say hi. And, and we've had some events with um, J-Mac had a charity softball game here a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a deal here Friday night where a bunch of those guys wound up bartending. Um, oh, that's really so cool. it's yeah it's <laughs> that was an interesting <laughs> evening. Um, it's it's fun to to have those kind of you know see those guys back again. Um, I don't with any of the 
current or last really seven, eight years just because I'm not bar- I'm not here at nights anymore to, to see and build those relationships. So I, I was here once, and my buddy has a Kelly Bryant Clemson jersey. He bought it, like, after, like, <laughs> his very, like I think it's white and orange. And there were two players here, and they were, like, trying to sneak a picture of him wearing the jersey. And we were like, you can just come over yeah. and take a picture. Like, we don't care. So I, I do think it's cool to see the uh, – the players out mm-hmm. and enjoying their time in college, especially yeah. when it's your own bar, I'm Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Um, and it was always a place um, that we would try to respect those guys after games and stuff like that. A lot of times they come up and just, you know, they come up and hey, man, I just want to be left alone and sit here. And that's fine. You've earned it. You know, it's, it's been a rough day. Uh, you get your body beat on for, for all that time. They just want to come out and sit down and relax. Um, and so we'll work with, you know, making sure there's security and stuff to keep everybody. But, yeah. but all those guys that I mentioned were just, they're amazingly good people, and, and they would really take care of, of the fans. And, and anybody that wanted to come and say hi and take a picture, they were always really gracious, um, just as long as somebody wasn't too drunk and mm-hmm. doing anything stupid. They were. Yeah. So – on game day, that's always when it's the most packed, like we were just talking about. Is that a time for you to do deals, or is that a time when you're like, no. you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> going full price if it's going to be packed? No, anyway. right, right. You got to, you've got to take advantage of that um, in Columbia um, if you want to be able to <clears throat> run the rest of the deals the rest of the year for the for the college students. Um, there have to be days like that where you're able to be um, extra profitable and and run that money through for the rest of the year. So when I when I think Big Twelve, my friends all always joke about this. When I think Big Twelve campus bar and grill, you think of like the, the rougher, little little heftier guy, the guys working the door. Kind of describe me and you as Big Twelve guys. Mm-hmm. Do you do you notice that that there's a type of person that comes in here, not on the crazy nights when there's a thousand people here, but do you notice that there's kind of a specific type of person that's here, maybe during the week at three o'clock? Um, you know, I mean, we we definitely have our regulars, but. Um no, there's all, you know, if you sit here, you'll see all kinds of everybody. Um, I'm also usually cooking um, a lot, but, uh, you know, there's a, there's a group of probably about 30 or 40 regulars that are here four times a week during the, during the days um, that I know really well. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a cross-section of everybody. I think a lot of people haven't had the full menu items. You know, they come in for the deals, they come in for the dollar mm-hmm. burgers. I, I'm sitting here on a Saturday, okay, a Saturday away game or spring, and they're like, what should we do for lunch? I'm like, let's go to Big 12. The food's really good. And they're like, nah, like, there's no deals, no nothing. Like, had wings yesterday. I was like, you don't have to get, the, like, the regular burgers are really good. That Frisco, like, there was a time where I think I came here, like, six out of seven days. So I just kept getting someone new. I'm like, I'm trying to try every item on the menu. So do you guys try to do a lot with promoting your non, like, bar food food? Um, you know, I have never paid for advertising of any kind whatsoever. Um, and for the most part, that is because I we really try to take care of the free advertising, which is... Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and and speak to people through that. Yeah. Um, it's I podcasts. Just, right. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, this is my first. This is my first go with that. Um, but we've also like our our food um, sales have grown over the last 
eight or nine years, we've we've we put brought in a kitchen manager, uh, somebody to run it full time that that was just focused on our day to day food, um, and our food sales have quadrupled um, over that time, um, and it it has gotten our quality has gotten really really well good um, with the work he's done. So it's something that once people try it, that's you know that's the thing you talk about all the college students during the day. It's university workers it's hospital um we get a lot of business people from downtown that have just you know go have 50 different options for lunch and eventually they'll get to you and if you do a good job that first time they'll be back and we've grown a we've grown a really good lunch business yeah I, I recommend everyone out there if you haven't come in and had the frisco burger or the i think it's called the tiger club mm-hmm. come in yep. and get it. is it called the frisco burger yep. I, okay yep. yeah yep. those are my my two favorite items we talked about the name change that a lot of people may not know. Probably most people don't know that, that it's not just because of switching the conference. Yeah. What's something else that people maybe don't know about Campus Bar and Grill that you would like people to know? Oh, man. Put me on the spot. Um, I think the biggest thing is that just the, the amount of time we've been here. We might be now... Outside of TA and Shiloh, I know that I'm the longest tenured bar owner downtown. Um, you know, this place became what it is now in 1999. You know, so we've been here like this for 20 years. Um, and I just think our, our longevity is something that people don't think about a lot with us, that, that we've been doing it for, a, you know, I've, I've been here for a lifetime now. Have you changed anything big since 2003 besides the name? Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, we've done a lot of different inside um, as far as some renovations. Um, we added the bar up front, which really helps us on our busy nights and game days, uh, get drinks out faster. Um, and just over the years, making little changes to the inside aesthetically is it's been the main thing but you know we I've always you know this was I, I've always loved the, the setup and, and I agree. the square bar and it just yeah you know I actually have a I have a recommendation okay so because we lived in that building we can see on top of the building and you see the roof the roof isn't huge but you can fit a lot of people up there it gets packed I don't know how weight bearing this building is have you thought about going up a couple stairs, putting a bigger fence up, and having more of a roof? Yes, and it is not weight-bearing. Okay. <laughs> Less easy. <laughs> yes, yes, right yes, I have. Um, and basically, we'd have to wind up putting just huge posts down in the walkways here yeah. to be able to make that happen. And it'd be like Wrigley Field. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess, I guess it's not possible then, but that's something that I, looking out, was like, you know, they really got a lot of real estate with all the... Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of space up there, but yeah, it's not. That's something we looked into years ago. It's just not possible. Do you, and I don't know if the other bars do this as well, do you guys like kind of learn from each other and take each other's ideas or stuff like that? Um, you know, you tr- we try not to take any ideas from anybody. Um, I don't, we've never wanted to say, this is working there, so we're going to do it the same way, which has happened to us on several occasions, but... I'm, I'm friends with a lot of the bar owners downtown, and we've always, we've always had a, a mostly good relationship with most of the people downtown and, and some of the outlying bars. 
um, and, and it's more sharing ideas on what's working well as far as finding good employees and talking about distributors and, and ideas like that more than it is just specials and, and things like that. For people who may want to work here, when's the best time to try to get in the door? Uh, a month before either semester starts. Okay. So, you know, at the beginning of January or basically end of July, beginning of August. That's when um, we have the most staff turnover. Um, you know, we try to make sure we get all our hiring done before the semester starts so we can get people trained and they're ready to go for the year. And then we, we've done a really good job here of retaining staff, so we don't lose a lot of people um, over the semester. Um, but that's when we have to get ready to go. And that's, you know, that when we, we'll have people graduate in December, we'll have people graduate in May, and we'll have people that are leaving at the end of the summer. So those are all the times we need to fill spots. Absolutely. So you don't you don't work nights anymore, like you said. And I just have a couple more questions for you. You don't, you don't work nights, like you said. When you're not here, are you worried about what's going on? <clears throat> or thinking about it? I'm thinking about it all the time. I mean, I, I lay in bed constantly think about this place and different ways to do things. And that's just, I can't turn that off. I don't worry about it anymore. There was a long time I did. Um, and maybe I've just grown out of it. I've got great managers um, that I really trust. Uh, my GM has been with me for 15 years now, um, and he's the second. He is the second owner of this place, basically. I mean, I I defer all decisions to him. I don't. I haven't done hiring in 10 years. I don't. Um, anytime any kind of rep comes in and wants to sell something, you got to get it by him uh -huh. um, because he is here a lot more nights and sees what's going on and and knows the night business better than I do. So he's the one that you know. He'll always ask for my opinion, but I let him make a lot of those decisions, and, and he's great. Absolutely. So that's, you know, there was a long time, um, mostly when I owed the bank a lot of money, that I laid bed worried every night and had a lot of trouble sleeping. But um, over the years, it's gotten a lot easier. You guys are always busy now, it seems, so that's good. This table right behind us, this is bad radio because you guys can't see this, but <laughs> those two tables right there, right on the wall, uh, I've sat there every single Thursday for the last... I don't know, year, we'll say, at least a year. And one of the waitresses it got to the point where I texted her and I said, we're coming tonight, we're going to be a little late, can you please try to save that table <laughs> for us? You know we're going to get a million wings, a million drinks. So when we would come in, they would almost nudge the people sitting there to get out. And I got a Snapchat from one of the waitresses the other day with a picture of that table and said, this Thursday's just not going to be the same. And I said, you know what, maybe, maybe i got to get to Columbia for a Thursday. So I don't have any more questions for you. But is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to kind of get out there? I don't think so. You know, we're, I'm excited about the direction of the university. The last four years have been tough. The, the decline in um, student enrollment, uh, that's growing back. And, and people are starting to realize again what a great place Columbia is to be and how much fun this, you know, it is. Uh, and so I'm, I'm still cautiously optimistic about the football team for this season. I think they can turn out to be really good. Um, and I, you know, the basketball team's trending in the right direction. We're going to have, it's going to be a great year to be in Columbia. Absolutely. I wish, I wish I could say that I would be here, but I'll be, <laughs> I'll be down a couple of times. Well, thank you, Chris. Thursday night, come tonight, get the deals. Saturday, come to Big 12 and watch the game. Thank you. You bet. Thanks. I talked about Missouri's disappointing loss 
earlier in the show. But Gabe really gets into it and talks about what he liked that he saw, what he didn't like, and what he's looking forward to moving forward. You know, he's he's the expert, so let's get to him and hear what he has to say about the Missouri football team. We now gladly welcome onto the show Gabe DeArmond, who has been covering Mizzou for about 50 years now is what it seems. Pretty close, yeah. <laughs> Before we jump into some uh, Mizzou questions, I thought I'd give you the chance to kind of tell everyone what it is you do, who you work for, everything like that. Yeah, I run the uh, rival site that covers Missouri, powermizzou.com. You can go there, sign up. It's it's nine ninety five a month or hundred bucks a year. Well, ninety nine ninety five a year, which is actually only eight thirty three a month. So if you can skip, you know, two cups of coffee every month. Uh, basically, we cover Missouri football, basketball, and recruiting every single day. Um, like since media day, you know, on Monday afternoon to or on Tuesday afternoon to midday Wednesday, we've already had five stories. Uh, that's pretty standard during the season. Um, but pretty much every day of the year, we're going to have at least one or two new stories. So, you know, if, if you are a diehard Missouri fan, rather than digging through different places and looking for the one story, like just come to our site and uh, we cover it all year long. Well, that sounds good. I mean, Being a Missouri beat writer, you've seen a good amount of ups and definitely a lot of downs. Where does last week's loss rank for you? Last week um, was, it was bad. Uh, There's no spinning it otherwise. Uh, I, you know, as far as ranking losses, I don't know. I, I think the biggest a part of this one is that hopes were so high going into the season. And look, West Virginia, losing to West Virginia wouldn't have been a complete shock. South Carolina, you know, you could see it. Um, but most people expected Missouri to roll into Athens, Georgia, 6-2, and 7-1, and 8-0, and, and nobody had a loss at Wyoming. Um, this takes so much wind out of the sails. I'm really interested to see how many people are going to be there this weekend now because I, I think it's going to be less than would have been there if they, they'd gone out and won like everybody thought. And Again, there was, there was a lot of wind in the sails before Saturday, and there is now significantly less. I, I personally think that if Mizzou gets the bull band news and it is negative in the next week or so, I think that the wheels could absolutely just fall off on the season. Well, I think I think this weekend is is key toward that. I mean, I, you know, we don't know how the team will react to the bowl ban. But again, I've always thought, unless you're talking playoff or a New Year's bowl, I'm not sure how much that matters. I mean, I, I don't know if anybody's goal is necessarily let's go play in the Music City Bowl. You know, and, and frankly, right now, that looks like probably about what Missouri would be headed for. So, you know, I don't know how much it affects them, but this weekend, if they don't beat West Virginia and if they start this season, a lot of people pick this team 10 and 2. I didn't. I thought that was a little bit out out ahead of things. I picked them 9 and 3, but whatever. You're picking them 9 and 3, 10 and 2, and they start out 0 and 2. Um, I, yeah, I could see. I, I mean, if they lose this weekend, everything is on the table. Yeah, well, I don't want to be all negative. What what did you like from what you saw from the Tigers in the opening game? I thought Kelly Bryant played really well. Um, now, he, look, he did have two two big turnovers, obviously, that led to 
at least a 10-point swing because had he not thrown the pick in the, in the end zone, Missouri would have probably at least kicked a field goal. So you can't just take those plays away, like Derek Dooley said yesterday. They happened. You can't just say, well, other than that, he was really good. I mean, that's part of it. But he was the best player on the field for Missouri. He threw for 423 yards. Uh, probably nobody thought he was capable of doing that. It was a career high by over 100 yards. So you liked what you saw out of him. I thought Tyler Beatty played well. I thought Jonathan Nance came up with a couple of big plays at big times. Uh, he, he probably needs to work on his tackling a little bit, but you know, made a couple of plays at wide receiver. Other than that, honestly, I didn't really see anything to like. Yeah, I I, I have to agree with you. I I think jo- Jonathan Nance was a nice little little spark, little surprise. We weren't hearing a ton about. Him in camp. What what did you kind of hear from camp being around camp that you then didn't see that you were expecting to in that opening game? Yeah, and here's the thing that you always have to understand when you cover a team. Like everybody reads our stories and thinks they're getting the 100% unvarnished truth. We're getting what people want to tell us. Um, so, like Barry Odom and Ryan Walters told us a week and a half ago, Tyree Gillespie and Josh Bledsoe might be the best pair of safeties they've ever coached. Now, maybe they will be. But they were not on Saturday. Um, You know, defensive end, we knew defensive end was going to be a problem. I think it was a bigger problem than than maybe we'd even thought. Uh, You know, the the running game, which we all thought would carry this team, was it was absolutely dreadful against a smaller, theoretically less athletic team. uh, And Missouri wasn't able to do anything. Averaged about three yards a carry. So, you know... August, it's you got to take everything out of camp with a grain of salt because some of it doesn't end up happening. Any uh, NBA pro- or sorry, not NBA. Any NFL prospects outside of Albert O that you're seeing right now? Uh, you know, people around the team think Jordan Elliott's got a pretty good shot to be good enough this year to go pro. Um, I know Demarcus Acey's gotten a lot of talk as a potential early round pick at cornerback. And last week was a weird game for cornerbacks because Wyoming completed six passes. I mean, they didn't even try to throw the ball. They don't really want to. Um, I think Yasir Durant on the offensive line has a chance to play in the NFL. I think Trevor Wallace-Sims probably has a chance to play in the NFL. Uh you know, Larry Roundtree, I think at some point is probably an NFL back. I, I don't think he looked like one last weekend, certainly, but they've got NFL guys on the roster. Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd like to see a little more from uh, Alberto going forward, maybe catching some passes in traffic. So I so need like to see him improve his hands and his blocking. Yes. Um, you know, people fall in love with the big plays, and don't get me wrong, he's a nightmare matchup, and he can take a six-yard pass and, and outrun a secondary, which not many tight ends can do. But I think we saw on Saturday something that, frankly, I knew all offseason, and, and I think a lot of people glossed over. He has a long way to go to be an NFL tight end. Yeah, I agree. I think Daniel Parker, you talked about it too, is making a lot of strides in the right direction, almost making losing Alberto next year a blow that they can handle. Well, and again, I mean, you hope you lose Alberto next year because it means he has had a pretty decent year. He theoretically could come back. I don't think anybody expects it. Um, but, you know, he's going to have to show scout something better than what he did on Saturday throughout the year. Absolutely. What do, you, what do you think about kind of in general storming the field, but Wyoming choosing to storm the field after the upset of unranked Mizzou? 
It does two things. I mean, first of all, it was kind of amusing. I thought, I mean, I don't, I don't know that beating number 26 Missouri is, is field storming worthy, but you know what? They let the kids have fun. It also shows like this isn't something Wyoming does very often, which should uh, worry you as a Missouri fan. I mean, that's the biggest win they've had there in a while, and uh, it's not a real good sign. Who should be more worried right now, Tennessee or Mizzou? Oh, Tennessee. Um, no question. Because Mizzou, I mean, look, Wyoming is, it's a, it's a representative team. I mean, they're, they're not great. They shouldn't have won that game, probably. Uh, they play Missouri ten times. They probably don't win more than one or two. Uh, but they got them on the right night. But Missouri also had a lot of things go against it. I mean, it's a team that turned the ball over three times. Two fumbles, which just bounced right to Wyoming guys, turned straight into ten points. Uh, an offensive pass interference penalty at the wrong time. Like, a lot of things went wrong, and Missouri was still 20 yards from winning the game. Tennessee was down 15 points with a minute to go against a team that was 2-10 and 10 last year. Oh, that was at home. Um, no, Tennessee should be more worried. That said, I don't think it makes Missouri fans feel a lot better that, hey, you should probably still be better than Tennessee this year. I agree. So what's, what's your score prediction for this week? Um, this is the first time this week anybody's asked me. I, I would probably pick Missouri something like 38-27. I, I just think we're going to see a better effort. Um, if you don't, then if they play something like they did last week, then it's time to hit the panic button, no question. Uh, but I, Barry Odom's teams have always been better once they've been shoved up against the wall and everybody's quit on them, and a whole bunch of people have quit on them this week. So I expect them to come out and win. Um and then, again, if they don't, uh, we're going to have to reassess a whole lot of things on Sunday morning. So, obviously, the people who are saying Fireberry Odom, Fireberry Odom, at this point are a little a little bit ridiculous, if not a lot a bit ridiculous. Yeah. What do you think it would have to get to this season for that to kind of have some merit to it? Outright disaster. Um, four and eight. You know, I mean, wheels come off. Uh because, you know, we've reached a point, and it's partly the fault of sites like ours and Twitter and things like that, where every loss means somebody has to lose his job, right? And it, that's not the way the real world works. Look, Missouri just gave him a raise and extension. Um, it didn't add a ton to the buyout. But the fact is, for him to go away at the end of this year would cost them somewhere around a million dollars. I don't know if Missouri can afford my buyout right now, much less Barry Odom's and a new coach. Um, they, they need this to work. Uh, now, I will listen to, and, and I've said on our site, I, I'm fine with somebody that says Ryan Walter should be on the clock. I've got no issue with that. This defense has been bad now for most of the last three years, and that's on him. Um, but you make your personnel changes. and they, Look, if you're firing a guy after one week, then you should have fired him before the season started. Like, you've got the wrong guy if that's what you're doing. Uh, there are 11 games left in the season, and I do not want to be seen as the guy that's saying, hey, it's just one week, they tried hard, it's okay. No, it's not okay. That loss was, was far from okay. But there are 11 games left on the schedule. West Virginia looked bad last week. Florida didn't look very good. South Carolina didn't look any good. Tennessee didn't look any good. The, the Ole Miss didn't look good. This is still the schedule we thought it was. Missouri, I, I mean, I still wouldn't be shocked at a 9-3 and three type season. Uh, I know that's hard to see coming out of last weekend, 
But there are 11 games left to play, and you've got to get a lot further than 0-1 before you start firing guys. Are more people reading your stories after a win against Wyoming, like a 56 nothing win or a loss to Wyoming? Well, this is really two different questions. As far as reading the stories, I think it's probably less. People don't like to read bad things, right? Um, they, they don't like to relive losses and all that. But the message board, there's no question the message board has more activity after a game like Saturday than if they'd gone out there and won 41 10. Uh, I, I've been on the message boards, and people were not not too happy after that no. loss. I and, 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 and look, understandable. Nobody should be okay with that. No question. I think it is definitely important to look forward. Obviously, teams go one week at a time, but is there a game on your on the schedule that for you is circled and you're like, this will be a game to watch moving forward? Yeah, well, now it's Saturday. Um, before the season, I said the South Carolina game was the key game of the year um, because I just assumed Missouri would start at least 2-1 and one and maybe 3-0. and oh. uh, I, Nobody had a loss to Wyoming on the schedule. Now that that is a loss, Saturday is – I said earlier this week, I don't want to say it's the biggest game Barry Odom's ever coached because I feel like we say that like three times a year. Uh, but Saturday's huge. I mean, if they lose this game – like I said, the wheels could come up. First of all, nobody's going to show up. And secondary to, by the way, they need to win games, this team needs people back in the stadium and money back in the coffers. And they don't have that right now. And they lose on Saturday, that's going to go out the window. So Saturday is it, – it's the game. I'm not saying a win turns everything around and it's okay, but a loss buries this season. How's the new end zone looking? Have you seen it? Have you checked it out? Um, I haven't been really inside much since it's been a little bit we were in the media room yesterday and you know you see some things uh but you know from my point of view like i'm not super interested in like touring it and stuff because i'm never going to be in there other than for interviews so it doesn't really affect me a whole lot um there's still i did drive by this morning there's still people over there working uh and like it's going to be done enough certainly to be functional on Saturday, but I, I don't think it's going to be done on Saturday. I think there's still going to be some things probably that you can't see and some cosmetic things that need to be finished up throughout the season. I think everyone kind of knows what the team goes through leading up to a game. You know, we see videos, we, sweet, we see tweets. I don't know if everyone knows what the uh, beat writer pregame prep really looks yeah, like. I don't know if anybody cares. <laughs> well, what does your day on Saturday look like for 11 a.m. start? Oh, you know, I'll roll over there probably 9.30, something like that. We generally get we, – well, last weekend was an exception. We had some travel issues. We rolled in 20 minutes before kickoff. It's the first time I've ever done that. We don't like to do that. Um, but we'll get there an hour and a half before, get everything set up, you know, have a little something to eat. And uh, and then, obviously, throughout the game, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of keeping everything up to date paying attention uh but then our job really starts when everybody else is done you know after the game you go down you do interviews you come back up you write uh it generally takes us you know three to four hours after a game uh, to get all the stuff for saturday done and then then we'll either go ahead and, and pre-write some stuff you know an 11 o'clock game is nice because we can go ahead and get stuff done for sunday on saturday um so we can have our Sunday morning stuff done and then have a little bit of time off, you know, to maybe go watch Patrick Mahomes revolutionize the world or something on Sunday afternoon. Uh, but, you know, then a night game, and this is why we hate night games, because a night game you're waking right back up and, and getting your Sunday stuff done. You mentioned Patrick Mahomes. You know, anyone who follows you knows you're a ginormous 
Chiefs fan, and that may be due to part that you're kind of not a college football fan in a sense. Chiefs right. step forward, step backward, stay where they were last year. Uh, this season is all about making the Super Bowl. If they don't make the Super Bowl, this isn't a good year. Uh, and that sounds weird to say because they haven't made one since I was negative four. Uh, and I'm now 43. But uh, that's what this season is. Um, it's, you know, it, it, it's time to either knock off the evil empire in Boston or hope somebody else does it for you. What do you think about Andrew Luck? Um, you know, it was, uh, it's too bad. I mean, you don't like seeing anybody who's pretty good retire at 29. That said, eh, knocked one obstacle out of the way on the way to the Super Bowl. So I'm not super sad about it. Well, Gabe, I thank you very much for coming on the show. You know, you have a podcast of your own. Where can people follow you? Where can people listen to you? Yeah, it's just my name on Twitter. Go there. We tweet every single thing out we do. Um, the Power Mizzou podcast is on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. The site is powermizzou.com. We have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram page. Um, I would argue if you can't find us, you probably don't want to find us. Which, hey, that's okay, too. Um, we would appreciate it if you did. And subscribe and gave it a shot. Like I said, skip a couple of cups of coffee. Check it out for a month. If you don't like it, cancel. But uh, hopefully you will. The Power Mizzou uh, Twitter page is, is very good. I, I'm a big follower for the past couple of years. Appreciate that. Yeah, it gets a, it gets a little wild. On uh, the responses are better than the tweets. All right. Well, thank you, Gabe. Have a good uh, good weekend. Go Tigers. All right, Andrew. Thanks, man. Well, there you have it. That is my show, the Go Local Podcast, Columbia, Missouri edition. Thank you to Chris Flood, owner of Campus Bar and Grill and the Quarry. Thank you to Gabe DeArmond. Thank you to my good friend, Corey Fox. Another thank you to my friend, Christian Carney, who provided the music for this episode. Another Mizzou friend, and actually a home friend of mine. Hit me up on Twitter, at Andrew Zolden. Give me a follow. Listen to this. Share it. Share it with your friends, your family. Mizzou Nation. M-I-Z. 